Welcome to Life Springs with Pastor Craig Swanby. Each week we bring you a message of hope, love, and encouragement inspired by the Word of God. At Life Springs, it's our goal to win people for Christ, train them in God's Word, and send them into the world to share the gospel. We hope today's message inspires you and encourages you. So I'm going to speak today uh, one more message on the cultural revolution, the power of propaganda. So what is propaganda? Before I get into this, let's, let's open in prayer. Father God, I pray that you would be with my mouth and my mind, help me to share these things that you want me to share today with clarity. Lord, I pray that you, all of us would have hearts that are open to receive, and Lord, Give us a plan on what you want us to do, Lord, with this information. And God, I pray, help us to be bold uh, as these last days continue to unfold. In Jesus' name, amen. George Orwell's book, 1984, describes how propaganda was used in the fictional place called Oceana. The slogan of Oceana was, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. Slavery to the totalitarian state was presented as freedom and prosperity, which is interesting because uh, in Hitler's concentration camps, as you would go up in these trains and the, the Jews would get out of these train cars, uh, there was a big sign over the camp and it said, work sets you free. Well... In a, in a sense, that was true because they would work and then they would die <laughs> and they would be free from their earthly body. But uh, they certainly didn't get set free until we defeated Germany and that horrible regime. Here's what Hitler said. He said, the German people must be misled if the support of the masses is to be won. So, of course, he had his master propagandist uh, Goebbels, who, uh, that's his sole job, was to mislead the German people. So, how do you mislead someone? You lie to them. And you lie to them convincingly, and you lie to them over and over and over again. The purpose of propaganda is to change people's perceptions of reality so that despite compelling counter-evidence, People will not change their minds. The goal is to make people impervious or hard-hearted to facts, scientific proof, and common sense. And, you know, haven't we seen that today? People aren't just indifferent. They are hard-hearted to truth. How many genders are there now? And people are buying into this. Let's see. According to God, there's one, two. But literally... If you, you know, check out online, there are hundreds now of gender things. I don't even know how they come up with that, but, you know, when you're in delusion, you can just make up whatever you want, I guess. You know that they are actually telling us that men can have babies. How ridiculous. I wish I'd have written this down because Charlie Kirk yesterday talked about, you know, the steps on how... Um, progressive li liberalism works you know so it start it's something like this first of all it starts with tolerance we just want you to tolerate us you know you don't have to accept us you have to tolerate us 
Well, then it goes into, no, you have to accept us. And then the third one, I think, is you have to celebrate us. You have to celebrate our deviant lifestyle. So, you know, it goes with a church. It's like, you know, just don't say anything bad about the things that you disagree with. And then is, no, you have to have uh, those deviants come into your church and you have to put them in positions of authority. And then, hey, where's your gay flag? It's not out there. Why are you not waving the gay flag? You've got to be celebrating this. And so it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. <coughs> Propaganda takes, oh, well, I wanted to say, too, that the public schools uh, who are entrusted with our children's safety and education are now teaching pornography and perversion. Our educators have become pedophiles sanctioned by the state. If that doesn't... Uh, chill you to the bone, then you're not paying attention. It is crazy that our educators are now promoting something that is so deviant and so perverse. And again, to, to what? To innocent minds that know nothing? And they want to start as early as kindergarten. It's just, oh man, it makes me so angry that, uh, that this public education system has become so evil. Propaganda takes many forms, hiding the truth, telling half-truths, distorting the truth, always appealing to the higher good. Propaganda likes to take the high moral ground and sell it as a noble cause. And it's always for our own good that we have to accept this. Listen to what Isaiah 5.20 says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. A man named James Lindsay uh, gave a lecture called The Truth about critical methods. He said this, the label on the box does not match the contents inside. The label might say social justice, but when you open the box, you find something different you discover that it is about deconstructing everything in society and seeking to overthrow the existing order. It is about a grab for power. So um, the social justice, I mean, it sounds so good, doesn't it? Social justice? It, wouldn't any born-again believer be for justice? But as we talked about a few weeks ago, there's a difference between social justice and biblical justice, far, far different. Of course, the progressive movement likes to use slogans, especially the pro-abortion movement. They use terms like reproductive health care, reproductive justice, terminating a pregnancy. But it all stands for the same thing. It stands for killing an innocent child in the mother's womb. William Sargent wrote a book called Battle for the Mind, a Physiology of uh, Conversion and Brainwashing. And this is what he said. He said, people have developed impaired judgment and herd instinct, which is exactly what happened during the COVID crisis. People were willing to give their private health information to unknown contact tracers 
which information will eventually be used to track individuals so accurately that the government will know what you had for breakfast and what movie you plan to attend that evening. Whenever you give up your private information to the government, it's because they want to track you. They want to know more about you. What does our government know? It knows a population in panic mode is easily led or misled. It's amazing the inroads that have been made since the COVID crisis. But here's something that uh, these planners did not account for. Yes, there were many, way, way too many churches that agreed with the government that they were not essential uh, uh, gatherings for the community, that they didn't meet an essential need. But there were those churches who, you know, they, none of us really knew what was going on at the beginning. And, you know, okay, we'll, we'll close our doors, you know, for the safety of others and all that. And then rather than becoming woke, some of us got woken up and we realized, wait a minute, this is a play for power. And since when does the government have the right to shut down the church? The government has no right. Listen, remember that weird thing that isn't in the Constitution or in the Declaration of Independence? In fact, it isn't in any of our legal government papers. It just happens to be in a letter written from uh, Thomas Jefferson to a pastor about the separation of church and state. Well, if they want to claim separation of church and state, what if that really was a thing? Well, then the state has no business trying to put its business into the church. Hands off, separation. If it goes one way, it goes both ways. Fortunately, there were those of us who said, not only are we going to reopen against the government's wishes, but we are never going to close again. If that means jail, if that means whatever, it means what it means. But we will never willingly obey the government to shut down the church. Never again. And there is a remnant of churches in this nation and around this world, that that's exactly how they stand and where they stand. And I will let you know, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, this is one of them. Never again will the government have the right to shut this church down. Notice how everything today is a crisis. Population crisis, climate change crisis, border crisis. Everything is a crisis. Why? Because if you get people in crisis mode, you can lead them more easily. The masses that listen to CNN and listen to even Fox anymore and all these news stations, ABC, you know, the alphabet stations, they just, uh, you know, they, they just panic because every time you turn it on, what is it? Is it good news? No, it's horrible news. It's one crisis after another because they know crisis leads to panic. Panic leads to emergency situations, and emergency situations mean the government has to step in and take control. Propaganda has been perfected in the American society. Now the government and social media platforms uh, are in, they're in the hip pocket to do their bidding. The government has social media platforms in their hip pocket. Now, there, there may be one exception. You all have heard about Elon Musk taking over Twitter. And there are those who have various opinions on whether that's going to be good or bad. Uh, Charlie Kirk seems to think it may be a good thing. And I didn't realize how powerful Twitter really is. 
but it is the main source that all media goes to, all the news media, all the journalists go to Twitter to find out what their opinion needs to be about a matter. So Twitter is a very, very powerful force for either good or evil. And Elon Musk at least is doing the right thing right now. He's firing a lot of the people that uh, had overreach and control, and he's saying it's going to be a free speech platform. Let's see what happens. I was never a big Twitter person, but I did open up an account when I heard rumblings about him taking it over again. And I'm trying to get a little more educated on Twitter because it is such a powerful platform. And uh, you know what? The more of us that are using those platforms for good and not evil, the better it is. Amen? So, you know, I try to use as many platforms as I can uh, on social media to spread the gospel, you know, to, uh, to share my faith, to do whatever I can to try to influence people. And, um, you know, I have, honestly, I have as many as 10, maybe 15 people sometimes read my stuff. So I am a big influencer in this nation. Watch out. Watch out for Pastor Craig. He's a mover and a shaker. But listen, I don't care. I'm just going to do what God tells me to do, whether I reach 1, 10, 15, 20. I, you know what? I'm just a vessel through whom the Holy Spirit moves. And right now, he's, I use Facebook a lot. That's kind of my main thing that I go on and I try to use. Um, I think I finally figured out, you know, we're supposed, uh, we're supposed to be doing these podcasts now on Anchor that goes to a whole bunch of different platforms. We set that up this summer, but it's taken me a long time to figure out how to use it. I think I might have figured it out. So um, uh, I've put a couple podcasts on there, just like kind of like our devotions. And then I also put last week's messages, and it goes on seven or eight or nine different platforms. And so I'm excited about that. It's new technology, something new, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we've got to use every means we can to spread the gospel. But what about propaganda and the sexual revolution? The path to power for them is this, desensitization, to expose deviant behavior all the time, everywhere, so that it starts to look normal. Have you noticed that over the past 10, 15, maybe 20 years? I mean, you never used to see it on sitcoms or on shows or things like that, but now... It does every sitcom that's out there has to have a gay character. You know, every movie. I mean, even Hallmark has started to move in that direction. And they've started, what's that new thing they started? GAC, which is a little more conservative, I guess. But it will only be a matter of time before they make their inroads. Because listen, if you want to get anything done in Hollywood, if you want to make a movie, if you want to make a TV show, you better toe the bottom line. You better listen to the propaganda and you better believe what they believe or they will blackball you and shut you down. So what they want to do is they want to desensitize us to make it look like, well, gosh, 50% of our nation is gay. You know, it's just a normal thing. Everybody's gay anymore. I'm thinking about being gay. It's kind of the cool thing to do, you know. Now I'm not. I'm not saying me, but listen. How many? How many? How many of our kids are doing that right now? They feel disenfranchised. They feel alone. But gosh, if I'm gay, or if I'm transgender, I get some attention. You know, I go to the top of the social acceptance list, and so consequently, I, I read somewhere this week. I can't remember. 
it was like a school district or something, that the transgender issue has grown by over 800%. You think kids can't easily be influenced? The next thing after desensitization is intimidation and victimhood. Homosexuals are regularly portrayed as victims rather than aggressive challengers to societal norms. And so, you know, they'll, they even make stuff up, don't they? So that they can look like they're the victim. Oh, we're horribly, and listen, I am not advocating victimizing homosexuals. I'm not saying we're supposed to hate them. We are not supposed to hate them. We are supposed to love all people. We are supposed to be the example of love for all people. You know, these homosexuals and these sexual deviants who think that they're looking for love and that it's all love, they don't even know what love is. They've been sexually abused, most of them, their whole life. And so they only know what they've grown up with in many cases. They are shocked when they are approached by a true believer and are given true love. They hardly know what to do. The next step is vilification. In 1987, homosexual activists Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen published a book titled The Overhauling of Straight America. In it, they stated that we intend to make the anti-gays look so nasty that average Americans will want to disassociate themselves from such types. One of the oldest schemes of propaganda is that the radicals ignore what those who disagree with them are actually saying, finding it easier to simply dismiss them as haters. So you can't have a fair hearing in public discourse. The minute you open your, your mouth uh, proclaiming what the, what the Bible says about homosexuality, you are a hater, you are a bigot, and you should be eliminated. Propaganda loves to label and categorize people rather than listen to them. And of course, of course, if we, you know, hold up signs about gays are going to hell, if we, you know, get in the face of a gay and talk to them about what sinners they are, of course they're going to think, that is hateful, that is bigoted. What we need to do is come alongside them and ask them questions, find out where they're coming from, find out where their wounds are, where their hurts are, love on them right where they're at. Isn't that what Jesus does for you and I? Doesn't he love us right where we're at and then lead us from that place into transformation? And the gays deserve every bit of as much of that. But they, you know, they call us the haters and the bigots. But guess what? You know, when they see a Christian, you know what they do? They hate us immediately. They've labeled us. We're already bigots. They hate us. They don't want to have anything to do with us until they get to know us. And then it's funny how some of them, they get to know us and they go, oh. Oh, well, I didn't think you were going to be like that at all. But isn't that kind of true of the world? Imagine what the world thinks of Christians. What do they get when they turn on a movie or a television show? Normally, if they see, see anything about Christianity, it's Catholicism, right? So they think all Christians are Catholic. They can't even figure out what this whole evangelicalism and evangelicals, what they're all about. And oh, my goodness, you want to subcategorize a people, Pentecostals, Oh, my goodness, they swing from chandeliers, they foam at the mouth, they crawl down the aisles. I mean, they are, well, you know what? I can't remember the last time I even saw anything that even kind of looked like old Pentecostalism in a Pentecostal church. 
Yeah, I get it. I mean, we it deserves some of those labels because we've been crazy at times. We've been over-the-top nuts. But, you know, you go to an evangelical church, you go to a Pentecostal church, you go to a Baptist church, you're almost going to the same service anymore. Very little distinction anymore. We're all singing the same songs. You know, now, I mean, clearly... I'm beyond the stage where I'm not wearing skinny jeans, you know. I don't, I'm not hip, young, and cool. A lot of churches have, you know, that's what they promote. That's how they attract the crowds. And, uh, you know, I don't even have a decent beard. I mean, gosh, if you're going to be a pastor today, you've got to have the right look. My shirt is tucked in. What was I thinking this morning when I dressed? I didn't dress like a pastor at all. Slacks and a dress shirt? That's 1950s at least, right? But that's, that's what the world thinks. They think it's all about image. What? They come to a little church like this. What? You don't have a rock band up there? Where's the lights? Where's the light show? I came to be entertained. Yeah, we came to the wrong place then. We come to worship. And we come to get into the word of God. Yeah, we're a simple folk, but we're a loving folk, so come. <laughs> it's amazing what people think about us as believers. That's why, you know what, and you've heard me say this, and I'll say it over and over again because I love to repeat myself. We cannot sit here and expect strangers to walk through that door. They're not going to come unless you invite them. In fact, they're not even going to come unless you go pick them up and bring them. That's how people come to church anymore. It's, it's by relationship. We've got to be out there building relationship Monday through Saturday. And through those relationships, we invite them. Hey, you know, you go to church anywhere? Well, I go to this little church, you know. Love to swing by and pick you up. I mean, that's about the only way. Listen, I invite people to church all the time. I invited my neighbors across the street. And I love it how neighbors are always saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're looking for a church. We're going to come. That was three months ago. <laughs> I haven't even seen them outdoor. You know, they're probably like, oh, I don't want to talk to him now. You know, he's going to invite me to church. I still think, you know, I need to, I need to get a 12 or 15 passenger van because I know if I swing by and pick them up, they'll come. <laughs> so, selling homosexuality is a civil rights cause. In his book, A Dream Derailed, black pastor Bill Owen of Memphis, who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., said this, It is a disgrace and a lie to say that blacks marched so that gays would have the right to marry today. I marched during the civil rights movement with many people who were as shocked as I was to hear that transgender rights are being equaled with civil rights for blacks. Not one person I have spoken to from back in the day of the civil rights movement has agreed with this comparison. What do the struggles of black Americans to be treated as humans have to do with men who claim to be women invading the dignity and privacy of women and girls in public spaces? Of course, the homosexual and transgender movement have a powerful ally on their side, the media, who are the chief propagandists of our nation. 
That's why I say over and over again, don't waste your time listening to uh, the drive-by media because they are lying to you constantly. We need to be people of wisdom and seek out those sources that do tell you the truth. Again, I will tell you um, on um, uh, what what's Amir's thing? The play. Telegram. So Telegram, if you don't have Telegram, it is a great source to find more true news. You've heard me talk about Amir Tsarfati. He is a born-again Jew, lives in Israel. He is a world-renowned Bible teacher. Um, and he is a, uh, what is he, a captain or something in the IDF. Uh, I mean, he, and he, clearly he has friends in the Mossad. And he posts stuff all the time on the, his platform that gives real-time news of what's really happening in the Middle East. You won't get what's really happening in the Middle East from your newspaper, but you will from Amir Sarfati. Very, very excellent source. Um, uh, you know, so there are things out there. There are places out there where you can go, but you got to search for them. You got to be diligent. You got to look because uh, you're not going to find it. You know, on your TV station. Progressive Christianity is getting in on the deception. Remember, God is love. That's scripture. God is love. All relationships are love relationships. So God must approve. Some say propaganda does not deceive people. It merely helps them to deceive themselves. Rob Bell was a popular former pastor, and he says, we need more love, not less, in his defense of same-sex marriage. Oh, it's all love. What apparently he doesn't realize is that love can be sinful. Really? Never heard that before. Look at 2 Timothy 3.2. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You see, we can't be lovers of this world and lovers of God. If you love anything more than you love God, that love is sinful love. To love one means to reject the other. So what should our response be to propaganda? Well, to expose the lie, you must first know the truth. So it just goes down to basics. Basic Christianity 101. How well do you know your Bible? How many of us have multiple Bibles and they all sit and collect dust on the shelf? How many of us read a verse or two a day, and maybe even that's a struggle, and think that we're okay? This, how many, and again, I'm asking rhetorically. I don't want anybody to raise their hand. But I wonder how many here have actually read through the Bible. You see, if you don't know the whole counsel of God, then that's a place where you could maybe be in error. 
Yeah, but the Bible's hard to read. Well, there's so many different translations out there. You can find one that's fairly easy to read. You can even find them that read like a novel anymore, you know. But know, know what the whole Word of God says. A great way that Deborah and I have found is I read five chapters every night to her at bedtime. And we've gotten through the whole Bible. And man, some of it has been painful. Yeah, some of it's hard. And I tell you, when you're reading out loud and you have to read some of those names, forget it. I just go, and then Abelob something begot, some blah, blah, something. And then somebody begot, blah. You know, I just make up stuff because I can't say it. But listen, we need to get into the Word of God, and we need to get the Word of God into us. How much, do you sp- how much time do you spend reading it and memorizing it and meditating on it? Uh, listen, if you don't have a plan, a Bible reading plan, then uh, the haphazard reading is not going to feed your soul appropriately. The place that I love to tell people to start if you don't have a plan, five psalms a day and a proverb a day. And then read something out of the New Testament. Have some kind of a plan to be reading something out of the New Testament. Psalms and Proverbs are great. It keeps you consistently, month after month. I've been doing this for years. Five Psalms a day. By the end of the month, I've gone gone through all 150 Psalms. A proverb a day. By the end of the month, I've gone through all the Proverbs, 30 or 31. And so, uh, you know, I'm constantly, every morning, that's part of my devotion. And uh, I just get that word of God into me. And as I'm getting it into me, it leads me to other places in Scripture. It leads me to study something. I'll be reading something, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. What's the difference between Hades and Gehenna and and hell and the grave? You know, the Bible uses so many different words for one thing, and there are differences. Well, how do you find that out? Well, you get yourself a a good uh, um, uh, Bible dictionary. There, there are so many resources out there. I'll tell you, the number one app that I would recommend for everybody is the Blue Letter Bible app because it is a great resource. It's got all kinds of commentaries. If you want to study to become a scholar, you can find it there on Blue Letter Bible. If you just want to study and, and grow as a Christian, there's just it's one of the best resources out there, and it's free. You just have to download it. So... How much time? The next question we need to ask ourselves is how much time do I spend ingesting social media? Now, you know what? I'm not here to say, you know, you need to limit your time and you need to, you know, you alone know what your limits are. But you need to know not only are you being lied to on social media, you better know what the lies are so that you recognize it when you see the lies, but also you have got to put into place. And again, I make recommendations. I just was hearing today, I was listening to Jack Hibbs, and he said, apparently there's a statistic out there that 35% of American women are now as addicted to pornography as men are. For men, it's, it's much, much higher than that, that are addicted to pornography. And you don't have to go looking for pornography anymore. You know why? It looks for you. Pornography is trying to find anybody that they can find where that's their Achilles heel. I have an app on my phone called Covenant, Covenant something, Covenant Eyes. And it monitors uh, all the places I go to. And if I go to an inappropriate place, it lets Deborah know. The other thing is, listen, uh, 
Yeah, well, it lets her know when I look up innocent places, too. So it just lets her know everywhere I go. But you know what? Deborah knows all my passwords. I, there's nothing hidden. I have nothing hidden from her. If you're married, don't have those secret places that you keep from each other. Keep those things open. And put, <laughs> put, put those parameters around your life to keep yourself safe because you're not safe. And it might be, maybe your Achilles heel is pornography. It is for me uh, because I was exposed to it as a child and I grew up with pornography. And so if, I don't, if I'm not diligent about keeping parameters around me, it's trying to find me all the time. But maybe yours is alcohol. Maybe yours is, I don't know, uh, I don't know, I can't think of anything. Whatever, you know, whatever your Achilles heel is, Recognize what it is and put parameters around it so that, and so that it doesn't bring you down. And here's the other thing. Find accountability partners. Find people that you trust, that you can talk to and say, listen, this is a weakness in my life. Hold me accountable. I have accountability partners in my life. And now listen, that doesn't mean, you know, if my accountability partners call me and say, man, I really blew it this week. I did this, that, and the other I don't go, well, I'm reporting you, you know. Now we're no longer friends. That was it. You got one chance, and that's it. No. What, what do I do? I pray for them. What do they do? They pray for me. But just the fact that you know there's somebody, number one, that you can go to, and number two, you have to confess to. Because you know what? Don't have an accountability partner if you're going to lie to them. There's no point in that. You know, I know I have to tell the truth to this friend of mine, about what I'm struggling with. But the, the thing is, he tells the truth to me too. And we go, man, doesn't that suck? <laughs> Let's pray. Let's get victory over this. And, you know, it's really nice to have that. There are parameters you can put in your life so that you, uh, you stay safe. But you need to ask yourself, how much time am I spending ingesting social media? Uh, and... You know, you've got to learn how to recognize the lie. Uh, you are, are you being lulled to sleep by a barrage of lies you are told every day? But to know the lie, you must first know the truth. Number three, do you love truth? And that's the question you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, do I love truth? Or is it an inconvenience to me at times? Because if I know, you know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Uh, there's an old evangelist named Dave Reaver who actually got blown up by a, a grenade in Vietnam but lived to tell the story. He's, if you've never heard of Dave Reaver, look him up. He is fascinating, and he is really funny. He's a great speaker. But I love how he used to say, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you mad. And that's true. Sometimes the truth makes us mad. But we need to know the truth if we're going to live for truth. We need to seek for truth. And God can be found when we seek for him and search for him with all of our heart. Listen to Proverbs 23, 23. It says this, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. What that means is we need to invest our time and our resources into obtaining the truth. Eve believed the lie. Why? Because it was so compelling. And we are being lied to every day. And that lie is very compelling there is something very compelling about social justice. We don't want people to be wounded or hurt or disenfranchised. We want to love all people. But, to, but we need to reject the lie. 
But in order to reject it, we must know the truth. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, in an age of rage, in an age of exaggeration and deception, help us not to turn to the right or the left. Teach us when to speak and when to remain silent. Grant us a firm place to stand and to speak and not be ashamed. To remind this culture that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let us affirm with Paul, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Forgive us for allowing or for following along with our culture's ideological streams that lead to a life of defeat, emptiness, and loss. Forgive us when our lives do not live up to the truth we profess. Grant us the courage of Nathan, who spoke the truth to David, and the courage of Jeremiah, who spoke the truth to the king, and was rewarded by being thrown into the pit. We lack such courage, but help us to know that we love people best when we speak the truth to them. For it is the truth that sets people free. Let us remember that we are accountable to Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Life Springs Ministry is made possible through the generosity of people like you. To learn more about today's message, visit us at lifespringsfellowship.com. You can also join us Sunday mornings, 1030 at 4213 West Garden Springs Road in Spokane, Washington. Also, you can find our daily devotions on Facebook. See you in church!